0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into Bill's Chat Live. I am Josh McCarty. He is Luca. With us tonight is Stokes. Fellas, it's been a while since we've all been together. Luca, the last time I talked to you, something's changed in your life, right?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, Since last I was live on air, since last we talked on camera, uh, I was not a married man. Now I am a married man. Uh, It is actually exactly to the day one month it is my one month anniversary if that's Mm. even a thing i don't think it is it's not it is but whatever it's not you know (laughs) don't go down that rabbit hole Luca. no 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 we're good but it's exciting (laughs) i'm glad it happened it was a perfect day to be quite honest couldn't have asked for it to be any better um but also glad that it's over and kind of we're getting back to normality so sitting down with you guys it's perfect it's honestly perfect now
0: Mr. Stokes, how has the offseason been treating you? Last time you were on the air with us was NFL Draft Night. How are you doing, sir?
2: Um, I'm doing doing very well. Um, I'm, It's a sad time in sports where we only have uh, baseball right now. I mean, I like baseball, but not as much as the other sports. So, um, it, I mean, I'm just excited to get back to, you know, the thick of football, both college and pro.
0: Oh, did. Did the NBA season end? I I didn't even notice, guys. I, I had no idea.
2: I really oh,
0: yeah. Um, all right, let's get to it. We're not stalling around. We we teased on Twitter that we have a big announcement to make and we are gonna do that right now. Luca and Stokes and I have a history that predates Bill's chat. And part of that bond we have as friends was made stronger by the video game. Madden, and part of that just is the reality of life where you guys know how it is you get busy in your relationships and your work and your school, and it's hard to keep in touch with your friends unless you have a reason like fantasy football or in this case, Madden. And we were all in a Madden lead together, and it helped us all keep up with each other. And with our guy, Josh Allen, gracing the cover of Madden 24, we figured what a perfect opportunity for us. Bills Chat, a group of guys who love this game and who have so much to be thankful for for this game, enhancing our friendship, we want to give back to Bills fans, to our followers on Twitter, to our friends in Bills Mafia. So we are going to be giving away not one, not two, I sound like LeBron James, four (laughs) copies Of Madden 24. Luca, I know you're super excited about that. We will be giving out details on how those copies can be won at a later date. But the
1: big announcement, Luca, four copies of Madden 24. Yeah, it's awesome. Two for the PlayStation people, two for the Xbox people. That is how we came to four, of course. But yeah, it's just exciting. As you said, the perfect thing for us to do, especially in a year where we finally are experiencing something that, quite honestly, when I had first met these two, I didn't think would ever be a reality I would live in when it comes to a Bills player being on the cover of such game. We're in that reality. We have the opportunity to do something for everyone else. And it's just, it's a beautiful marriage. That is what we do, giving back to what we appreciate, which is you guys listening and then following us along, especially with Josh on Twitter. And yeah, like he said, details will come, but we're excited to do this. It's exciting that we can do something like this to celebrate such a momentous occasion.
0: Mr. Stokes, I don't know why I keep calling you Mr. What is going on? I got to get back in. Like, I never call you Mr. I want to give your ego a boost here, but Madden is something that you still actively participate in on a, on a somewhat regular basis. So even especially for you, this is a game that I know is near and dear to your heart.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's in my Twitter bio, Madden Savant. I mean, that's, that's, that's what Madden is. What I it's it's one of my um, passion projects. So I mean, if anyone wants to see me in Madden, I mean, they can get that work. But I mean, I, I just I love the game and I just love playing. So I mean, this it, is really cool. I'm excited to take part or participate in whatever is planned
0: yeah we're not announcing so stokes i need to men in black your brain right now you don't know the plan either stokes even though you probably do um all right guys let's get to it we have had a long off season and we figured instead of going through signing after signing and draft pick after draft pick we have a bunch of that stuff up on built-in buffalo youtube i just wanted to have a conversation with my guys luca and stokes tonight about our Buffalo Bills heading into 2023. Because I got to tell you guys, taking the temperature of the national media, it sounds a lot different this year. Last year at this time, it was overwhelming the amount of people in the national media picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Rich Eisen famously said on his podcast, why won't they win? As if, It's so easy to say, but if you look at the way this team ended the season prior to that at Arrowhead, the 13 seconds game, the momentum they had signing Von Miller, you had on NFL network, there was this panel of experts and every single one of them picked the Buffalo Bills to win. They were obviously the favorite in Vegas. They opened up smashing the Rams on opening night. And now you fast forward to this year and the way it sounds nationally, Luca is Not only are not the Bills, not necessarily the favorite in the minds of the national media, it almost feels like there's some Bills fatigue going out there. And the prediction of the Bills demise
1: is quite the more popular opinion. I, it kind of makes sense in a bit. Like I'm not there with those other Bills fans that might be fully down in the depths when it comes to what they expect with this season, but I can absolutely understand why they're there it's just also a little questionable why the national media is kind of piling on in the way that they are at times. Um, But when you look at what, kind of where we left off and you always remember what happened last you remember the last game played whereas last season we were coming off the 13 seconds and there was such optimism just because of an unfortunate circumstance came this time it's kind of like the polar opposite it was a slow bleed situation and it just got worse and worse and it was emphasized by everything that had transpired on the sideline and stuff i don't want to obviously go crazy with this but essentially it's like there was such a negative feeling after that game and there was such negativity around the fan base overall that it's just easy to pile on. It's easy to get sucked into it. And here we are. There's nothing else to go. There's nothing to wrap your head around or make you feel better now afterwards. It just is what it is at this point in time. And until games are played until, you know, you see what's going on on the field, I guess you are going to be worth, you're going to be where you're at. And mentally, you're just going to be accepting whatever reality you live in and everything else. will just kind of confirm that for you, wherever you find it.
0: Our guy, Chris English on Facebook, And then Jen also on Facebook calling out coaching. We will get to coaching tonight. I think that's been a popular concern amongst Bills fans, not just Chris and Jen. Obviously, we appreciate you all listening on Facebook. So Stokes and Luca, I did some work today for the podcast. I went back and listened to some shows from last offseason to see what we sounded like. Luca went to the preseason game against the Indianapolis Colts and was so high on the Bills, he made a bet with his friend at the game, $100 bet that the Bills would make the Super Bowl. Stokes Mm -hmm. did not do as many shows as Luca because if you're not as familiar, he's kind of like the sixth man on this show, the third man. He he tags in, he does roundtables with us. Uh, But there was an episode where he and I did together, and he was like, I'm as confident as I've ever been that this team has what it takes to win the Super Bowl, and they will get it done in the McDermott Allen era. So I'll start with you, Stokes. Assuming your confidence last season was as high as it could possibly be, where is your confidence level at with these Buffalo Bills heading into the 2023 season?
2: Uh I am nervous um because as you mentioned we we have what happened last as the final taste in our mouths and it just seeing how unable they were to defend to stop to to deal with Joe Burrow and The the fact that I, they didn't, their offense didn't get any worse. So when you look at them, then you look at the Chiefs, obviously you have the the back and forth battle with Mahomes and Allen. But when you look at those two teams in the AFC who are, who the Bills are essentially looking up at just based on what has happened, it, it makes me a little nervous. And there, there isn't a whole lot that the Bills can do between now and January to make me feel any more easy because even if even if they beat the Chiefs in uh this season even if they beat the Bengals even, even if they beat them both when we get to the playoffs it's still well the last couple years the Bengals and Chiefs have knocked them out so I, I I can't believe it until I see it uh like with with 13 seconds game you can see well I mean this was just unfortunate coin flip blah blah blah, blah, blah all this all that um but when you when you consider that with The consistency or the lack thereof with the with the coaching and all of that, it just makes me feel nervous and I'm not going to feel any better until uh, we have defeated them in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The Bills have kind of unfairly or not earned this reputation as the team that can't get it done in the big spot because the fact that their season has come up short, famously 13 second game against the Chiefs even if you go back to 2019 against the Texans, that was a collapse. Now this team was not fully formed at that point, but still that's a collapse. That's on Sean McDermott and Josh Allen's resume. And then you have whatever happened in the Bengals game last year, Luca, you were super confident last year.
1: Where, where are you at sitting here right now on July 7th? Uh, First and foremost, I'm not making any hundred dollar bets anytime soon on this team, making the super bowl. I can tell you that in quite confidence. Um, but I'm not exactly sitting here saying that I am looking at this season as a massive negative. Uh, It is the same team in a lot of aspects that going into the year, like we were last season, it's a lot of the same roster. It's just, unfortunately a lot of different things happened that led us down a different path. That was lesser than what happened the previous season. And you're just hoping that it's not as bad as it was in that other Avenue. So it's like, there's, there's more nerves. I can totally understand like where Stokes is coming from with the word nervous and being nervous about the season because now it's yet another season where they're trying to meet an expectation of a place that we want to be. And yet you have yet another negative season prior that it's just, as you even pointed out, going back to 2019, it's just stacking on top of each other. And it's like, when will that trend finally stop? When will we be able to get over the hump of which we want to? And we think that this team has the ability to That's what we're not sure of right now. And it's like, I'm not confident that they're going to do it this season, but I don't see any reason to be negative about it as well. It's still the same team that I said last season could have done it. I was just a little bit more overly confident about it just because of how the previous season ended. But other than that, I am still in a very neutral place. I also said that I wasn't going to get overly down or hyped about anything this season. That was kind of like my uh, new season resolution. And I'm going to stick with that. So I'm not going to get myself overly worked up in any way and just be very neutral about it until games start getting played.
0: I want a camera on Luca the first drive against the Jets when he is just losing his mind because Josh Allen throws for a touchdown. I'll be like, how's that resolution going, buddy? Our guy Lance Nelson is in chat. We appreciate that. He brings up something that I want to kick off the conversation with tonight. The last thing we saw was really bad. If you're of a certain age, Lucas Stokes, you don't have to like talk about the movie, but do you know the movie, The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis? Sound familiar from the 90s? Of course. So for those that don't know, The Sixth Sense was a movie that came out in the 90, late 90s, early 2000s. I thought the movie itself was kind of eh, like throughout the movie. You're just like, all right. I mean, it's it's a movie. It's cool. It's not making a lasting impression on me. Spoiler alert, the way it ends is tremendous. The ending of the movie makes you think that you just sat through an amazing movie. But when you go back and look at the actual movie, you're like, I don't know, I was kind of bored for two hours. And then they threw me for a loop at the end. And now I'm walking out thinking this movie was great. And in a lot of ways, that is how we analyze these sports teams. It's what is the last thing we remember about this team? When you look back at the 2021 season and the 2022 playoffs, the 13 seconds, The last thing we remember about the Bills is they went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Chiefs were the gold standard of the AFC at that point in time. They still are. And Josh Allen outdueled Patrick Mahomes until the defense collapsed three times in a row. And we left that game thinking, we sure let one slip away, but our team is ready to win. And we were as high as high could be going into that offseason. This was the direct opposite. This team was a 13-win football team that only played 16 games due to the DeMar Hamlin situation. The 2022 Bills won two more games in the regular season than, than the season before when we were so high on that team coming off of the 13 seconds game. The 2022 Bills came out of the gate and smashed the Rams and smashed the Titans, and then by week three, they had four defensive starters out of the game. Micah Hyde's season was already over. They were missing three secondary starters, and Mitch Morse was also out. I'm going to uh, I get some feedback here, so I'm going to mute both of you for a second while I get to this point. Let you get Lucas sort that out, um, and then, so and then from there it just piled up, and mistakes kept happening, and then injuries kept happening, and they couldn't get out of their own way. But lost in the fact that the Bills' season ended. In one of the most disappointing uncompetitive games at home against the Bengals is the fact that this team was consistent throughout the season. But Stokes, I think the issue is we can't get that last memory, that last taste out of our mouth. And we've had an entire offseason to sit there and think, was that really the Bills or was it just happened to be the worst game of the year at the worst time of the year?
2: Exactly that's where it gets really, really difficult to to try and fathom because there is just months and months and months for us to analyze hyper analyze why did they do this? why did they do that and I mean you see the the biggest change between this this year and last year was now the um, McDermott's calling the plays on defense, but is that what happened? Is that the reason that they were they were playing you know zone they were playing T Higgins and jamar Chase like eight yards off on, on a key play when they only needed like three. So, I mean, is that the reason? Is it just scheme? Is it just coaching? Is it just the players maybe aren't as good as we think they are? Like we, we, as fans, we see all of our players and we think when we think, Oh yeah, uh, these guys are, are second stringers for the bills, but they can start anywhere else. And Maybe it's just our our view of these players is different because every every fandom feels that way about their team. I mean, maybe not you know, they're really bad squads, but for the, for the Bills, that's how we feel about them. And when you look at it, um, like we've just had so much time to think about what went wrong and how things should be, um, that we we just we get we get too wrapped up in it and. It's never as bad as we think it is. It's never as good as we think it is with this with this team. And I I, I don't I, I really don't have a great answer for the situation other than seeing how they play. And and as I said as I said before, like I them them starting out very well isn't going to make me feel any better about December and January because I mean it's just such it's such a crapshoot. And when you have good quarterbacks, I mean they are the the X factor that could change everything.
0: We have a couple super chats to get to. I will tell you all, chat is going crazy tonight. We definitely appreciate that. It's easier for us to spot the super chat. So super chats are open if you want to do that. We will not obviously only read the super chats. But Lance Nelson, welcome back. Bills got a whooping last time out, but the talent is still there. Still a 13-win team. Go Bills, absolutely. And then we had another super chat. I thought I could just click it and bring it up. But here we go. Dave Myers from built in Buffalo. Great to see you guys back again and see my guys Stokes. What Stokes gets the special call out like Luca and I are just sitting here as the sidekick on Stokes show here. What is going on Luca? All right, Luca to you, in your opinion, you're obviously less optimistic than you were last year. If you could step back from how disappointing it was when it ended, do you think your lack of optimism is really just about getting the taste of the Bengals game out of your mouth? Or is it taking all the information you got from the season, how the Bills kind of did stutter down the stretch, not really score points in bunches, even though they were they're winning games, a game winning streak before the Bengals game, that they really did struggle to to come out of the gates offensively in some of those games, like maybe even the Bears game stands out where they won big on the scoreboard, but the offense didn't look in sync. Or is there more to it than just the last thing I saw was
1: bad? Uh, it's more of the bad taste with the Bengals to me, quite honest. Like I just I'm one of those individuals where the last thing I see is kind of the thing that sticks out the most, of course. You know, you live as present as you can be. And that's just unfortunately the reality is that is the worst game they could have possibly had at that moment in time. And it's just forever gonna be stuck there until you know, until we see another game, until I see pads on the field. Like this is a season, Josh, where I have been documented saying where I don't like preseason games and things like that. I'm just gonna need to watch a preseason game to like see something else that isn't that lasting memory that I currently have. So I will be watching preseason and stuff like that, just to kind of get my hopes back up a little bit, just to erase that memory from my brain and kind of reset and know, look, that was last season. This is this season, but like on top of it all, it's just, you look at around you as well in the division just what adds a little bit of a sprinkle of the not as optimistic is you have other teams in the division, like the jets obviously getting better where it's just, that's the sprinkle on top. It's like the lasting memory of the team I have is not great. And then all of a sudden you saw a team that wasn't necessarily a problem last season that you will have to see twice get significantly better on paper. I say on paper on purpose, because again, until we see games, I need to see if that's actually going to be the case, but We'll see that bright and early, you know, week one, of course, of the regular season. So thank goodness, honestly, for that. But it's that's really what it comes down to mainly is the Bengals game itself.
0: So we as Bills fans are in a unique situation with this team, whether it's Bills content creators, whether it's Bills fans, people that ride with the Bills. We know more than just the zoomed out view of the team. And I think that's part of why the national narrative has shifted to the negative is when you think about how you view other teams. That aren't the Bills, you have more of a zoomed out view because it's just not possible to consume the amount of content on the Bengals, the Browns, the Ravens, as you do on your hometown team and still live a functional life outside of being a football fan. It's unrealistic to do. And the example I will give you all, just kind of play along at home and be honest with yourself with your answer. How do you view the LA Chargers? Just what's the first thing that comes to mind when I talk about Brandon Staley? And the LA chargers, the majority of you out there are probably saying a team that can't win in the big spot. They choked away a playoff game last year, and they have consistently underperformed with one of the more talented young quarterbacks and more talented rosters in the league. And do not be ashamed of that opinion. There is a lot of merit to that opinion, but you have not. I assume I had not until today dug a lot deeper than that surface level opinion. Do you care? When, you're, when you and your buddy are talking about the L.A. Chargers and you're just making a throwaway comment before you take the next sip of your beer and go on to the next sports topic, do you care that Joey Bosa spent the majority of the season on IR or that their outstanding tackle, Rashawn Slater, was on season-ending IR and didn't play in that playoff game? or their best deep threat wide receiver, Mike Williams, was out for the playoff game because for some reason, Brandon Staley played him in a meaningless game week 18. Derwin James missed a handful of games last year. The Chargers had 12 players on IR, and they had a 27-point lead in that game before they ultimately had an an utter collapse. No, that doesn't enter your mind, and it shouldn't. You don't do this professionally. You just are a casual fan, and I think that's what's going on with the Bills. As fans, we know why this team ran out of gas down the stretch. We know the DeMar Hamlin situation, the Kim Pagula situation, the Tops shooting situation, all those situations that just wait on this team emotionally. We know the situation with weather impacting travel to the game in Detroit because they had to move it out of Buffalo to play the Browns, weather impacting the Bills coming back from Chicago on Christmas Eve where they had to miss Christmas with their families. We know the situation with two all pros, being out for the season in Micah Hyde and Von Miller, and then Jordan Poyer, a third all-pro, being held together by duct tape, their best arguably defensive lineman other than Von Miller, Daquan Jones, missing the playoff game because of an injury that popped up late. We all know that. The national narrative doesn't take that much into consideration. It's just Bills in a big spot, Bills lose big to another team that we know is pretty good, and the Bills are continuing to let us down. We believe in them. Stokes, do you think part of the reason with the national narrative is they just aren't necessarily looking under the hood at the issues that were there with this team?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think I think your point is very well taken. And I think that, you know, a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of teams, a lot of every a lot of everyone like if you if you take the hyper focused look at any team, you can figure out or you can piece together a reason why this or that didn't happen for them. And I think that where where it is for the bills is that yeah everybody deals with adversity but the teams that win they overcome it like where where with the Bengals like if they don't have if they didn't have the entire offensive line which i don't believe they did they were starting backups on their offensive line and the Bills defensive front did not collapse the pocket so but in but on the on the flip side the Bengals were collapsing the pocket against Josh Allen so like they overcome they overcame adversity and the Bills just didn't in that in that specific situation like it's just one of those things where, yeah, the, the media can say that everyone just deals with it, but the Bills just haven't. It. And, and it's like, how many times does something like that have to happen before that is just who you are? You are what your record says you are. The Bills have played very, very well in the regular season. And in the playoffs, they have had some unfortunate circumstances that led to losses. But in the end, they still count as losses.
0: And Luca last off season really was the perfect storm to get the hype train rolling. You had a team that was coming off of a game as good as you can look losing in a playoff game in 13 seconds. And then they go out and sign a future hall of famer in Von Miller, who was like, check chef's kiss exactly what this team needed in the mind of the public to go out and beat the chiefs. You had a move the meter game in the loss to the chiefs at Arrowhead and a move the meter free agent signing that got the hype going. The, the inverse has happened this time around. They had a move the meter the other way playoff loss where it was like, oh, that's all you got, Bills. And then really all due respect to Leonard Floyd, Puna Ford, Damian Harris, Connor McDermott or Connor McGovern. That's going to be so tough for me this <laughs> season. Um, these are players that we do think are going to upgrade the Bills at important positions. They are not Von Miller. They don't grab the ESPN headlines. First Take isn't doing a 10-minute segment on Connor McGovern's impact taking over for Roger Saffold. So, from a national perspective, yeah, the Bills made moves just like other teams in the league made moves, but there was no Jalen Ramsey like the Dolphins did. There was no Aaron Rodgers like the Jets did. So, in my mind, it makes a lot of sense why the national hype is definitely getting Bills fatigue.
1: Yeah, the national media is just not going to spend the time to look into the details of why things happen. They're just going to look for the most flashy things, the most catchy things. They have an audience that they need to be able to grab. And you're not going to do that by digging into the details of certain situations. You're going to do that by the big names, by the flashy moves, by the understanding of what is grabbing the biggest chunk of the audience to get eyes for you. Because the funniest part is if you did take the time to kind of spin this a little bit, and I kind of just kind of thought of this right now, because it's a it's a great point to bring up. It's like if you did take the time to look under the hood, to kind of look at all the details and stuff like that, and then link it to a lot of things you hear from Josh Allen McDermott being all of them when they make their public appearances on McAfee or wherever, you know, busting with the boys most recently with Allen, it's the one of the first things that is always brought up is fatigue and rest and how they just needed an offseason of rest. They just needed to do things. Josh Allen went out of his way to talk about how he hasn't done lick this entire offseason and is just focusing on rest and recovery and everything like that. And when you think about it, the biggest issue was that fatigue getting down to the stretch, getting to the Bengals game and the best thing they could do. Whereas last season, it was sign a marquee edge rush to really emphasize the pass rush. Maybe the best thing for this team really was get out of the spotlight, get out of everything, rest, recover, just kind of recuperate everything and get back a bit of normalcy so that when you come into this offseason now, you are mentally prepared and ready to go through whatever it is you need to do because just last season was so much. The national media doesn't care about that. They're not going to talk about that. That's not a point that they can try to make and grab a large audience. It makes total sense. And they're not going to take the time to do the research. And that's a okay. That is no problem. But really, when you think about it. They didn't do the flashy thing, but maybe they still ended up doing the right thing based on what the big issue was last season, potentially off the field and just kind of address the on the field things with a bunch of little not flashy items themselves.
0: We're going to talk about in a second whether we think that the Bills are a better roster than last year, but let's take a moment to remind all of you. First of all, thank you so much for watching and choosing to spend your Friday evening with us. If you're watching on YouTube, please, please, please like and subscribe. It helps out Built in Buffalo so much with staying in that algorithm. And we really do want to make Built in Buffalo YouTube your one stop shop for all Buffalo Bills content, particularly with the season coming up sooner than you even think. It's going to be a month from now. They're going to be on the field at St. John's Fisher doing Bills training camp. I'm super excited for that. Stokes, are the 2023 Bills a better football team? in the 2022 bills
2: um I think the biggest thing that will determine that as with everyone is health like when you when you look at uh taking out an all pro safety uh, like when you when you miss Micah Hyde it affects everything else in the defensive secondary and if if you just reinsert him like that can cause I can do wonders for the rest of the defense and then as Trey White gets better as uh, further away from his injury then you talk about Von Miller whenever he's able to come back I feel like this roster is better um than last year's roster but at the same time there were there were situations where you know coin flips happened and and they fell the Bills way coin flips went against the Bills so there's gonna be gonna be those those games eight or so games where you're just better than the other team and you're just going to wash them out. But it's just those other games where there's the coin flip here and there that comes down, that, that'll determine it. Like the Bills could be 12 and five this year, but they could be a better team. But uh, whereas they were 13 and three last year and and they were what they were. So it, it's, all, it's all about what you consider better. I think that they're better because um, these guys that we missed towards the end of the year, they are presumably
0: healthy. What do you think, Luca? Is this a better version of the Bills in the 2022 roster?
1: Um, it's a different roster. I think there was enough that there was enough turnover that it's a different roster. Whether it's better or not, I'm not willing to kind of give my assessment of that until I see anything. Um, but overall, I think they put themselves in an interesting position where it's easy to see on paper where you could legitimately argue that they are better you know, it's, there's a lot of notable things, but as, as Stokes said, the number one thing is health. And even, even a situation, wow, that's a wedding picture of mine. Uh, even a situation of which, where you had, you know, a lot of luck with injuries in years past when we made it to the AFC championship championship game against the chiefs. And then the year after that, you know, the 13 second season, it's like health was actually something that the bills kind of had a great luck with and then last season it kind of accumulated in in a very negative way and kind of the uh the uh toll was met with a lot of injuries and a lot of impact with that health situation so overall if they can just get back to where they were when it came to health which luck is a good word for that inevitably everyone will get hurt at some point in time at some severity you just need to luckily be as healthy as possible as you get down in the later months of the season. And hopefully they can get back to the luck and everything that they had in those previous years so that they can be a full roster going into those key games. And you do have your Von Miller's your Micah hides and all of that kind of stuff in those key moments, because who knows what can happen from there.
0: Taylor Rapp's an interesting name that John Robert brings up Stokes. If the Bills still had Cole Beasley, would you be looking forward to those one-on-one Cole Beasley rap battles? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, not just football content, folks. The humor (laughs) is with us, too. You are all welcome for Uh. that. (sighs) Okay, sorry. Okay, let's look just defensively because I think this group is a lot better. But Stokes, you really hit the nail on the head with the biggest piece of this. Yeah, it sounds great to say Micah Hyde and Von Miller will be back. And obviously, those two players are going to impact any team they come back to. But what version of those players are we going to see? Those guys are both over the age of 30. Von Miller is coming off of an ACL injury with the exact same timeline we saw with Tredavious White last year, and we saw him, Tredavious White, him, have an issue really ramping up, and we never saw that Tredavious White last season that we had been accustomed to seeing prior to the injury. So I think it's... Dangerous to just assume that we're going to see the same version of Von Miller this year, maybe even particularly early that we saw last year. And then you talked about Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, hopefully with a full offseason to rest and recover is back that back to being the best version of himself. But when you look at this defense as a whole, Stokes, I'm going to read off a list of names of players that were not on the field for the Bills when they played the Bengals in the playoffs: Micah Hyde, Von Miller. Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Leonard Floyd, DeMar Hamlin, and Taylor Rapp. Those are not just backups and depth players. Those are impactful players that are going to play big roles on this team and hopefully upgrade a unit that already ranked near the top of the league last year, even with their injuries. Just looking at the defense with the additions of guys like Puna Ford, and Leonard Floyd specifically. And if you want to mix in Taylor Rapp, that's cool too. How much better can this defense be this year?
2: I, I feel like they could be um, a more versatile, I, I think would be the the best way I could put it. The things that they can do with Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer, like the way they can interchange and what they do and what they mean to the defense can give the offenses different things to look at. Whereas last year, Okay, well, we know Jordan player, he's going to be impact. So wherever he is, we whether we want to avoid him, attack, him, whatever the case is, that's what what offenses could do with Hyde and Poyer out there. You have to pick and choose what you're going to try and do. And when you have a guy like Leonard Floyd who has proven that he can get to the quarterback, I mean, I know I know that there are those guys that have all the tools and all this and that, but like if if you haven't shown me that you know how to get to the quarterback, you you, you look great on paper, but you just may not be that guy, but Leonard Floyd knows what he's doing. He he's, he has a history of getting to the quarterback. He won a Super Bowl with Von Miller in uh, L.A. So I mean he he's been in those big stages. And when you when you couple that with the guys in the middle, whether with Daquan Jones and Puna Ford, that those guys can like, either collapse the inside or defend defend the run fairly well. Like the defense looks better. I mean. But it, it all it all really depends on the other things. Like whether whether Micah Hyde is is confident and comfortable like tackling people, whether he's he's able to throw his shoulder, his head out there on, on these plays, or if he's still thinking about it. DeMar Hamlet, what whether he is still thinking about anything when he's on the field, like that is just something you can't you can't really quantify it before you get into those things. And like Trey White, if he ever Gets back to what he was, then that would be fantastic. And then you have to hope for progression with Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford, and you have to hope for lack of regression with Taron Johnson. Like all these guys, there's so many different variables that it. it I it, I feel confident with the defense. I feel confident that as a unit they'll be better. Um, but there's there's those variables that you just can't. It's hard. It's hard to know how these human be human beings are going to react to stress
0: 53 players on a roster and almost none of these players are going to be the same player. They were last year. Some will get better. Some will get worse. Some that we aren't expecting to get worse based on their age will get worse. Some that we aren't expecting to take a leap will become a very important player on this team. And we will just have to find a way to identify those players as it goes along, Luca, I went back and listened at one point this offseason to our Bengals post game show because apparently I'm a glutton for punishment and neither you nor I could wait to bash the defensive line behind Von Miller and Gregory Rousseau obviously was playing with the leg injury. Uh, It was more about Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, and Ed Oliver, high draft picks that in a big spot against a very beat-up offensive line of the Bengals could get nothing going. And you made a point on a season, off-season preview show about whether the Bills should be spending a high draft pick or high free agent dollars on defensive line. And your point was, I don't care that AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham were second-round picks. They are AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham. I don't care what they've invested in these players. If they're not good enough, the bills have to find a way to get better. I am so happy that Brandon Bean saw that that same way, because the worst thing you can do in a position like Brandon Bean is look at the amount you've invested in something and use that as part of your analysis. Oh, it's a sunk cost fallacy. We've already invested a second round pick in Boogie Basham and AGF Vanessa. So we have to see this through for better rewards. No, you have two years of information on Boogie Basham. Three years of information on AGF Vanessa. It's not good enough. It cost you in a lot of ways your season last year, and they went out and signed Leonard Floyd. So I just wanted to give you a chance since that was a big priority for you this offseason. You were even on our draft show, kind of pounding the table for Nolan Smith prior to the Floyd signing. So I wanted to give you a chance to gloat about that.
1: Yeah, essentially it is when, when the Leonard Floyd signing happened, when the Puna Ford signing happened as well, I I think that kind of fits into that role as well. It's, it was happy. I was happy to see that essentially the coaching staff, Brandon Bean, everyone wasn't willing to let any sort of investment in anything they already had, let them get sunk. And that's just the most important thing. As you pointed out, and as I've brought up before, if what you are Seeing out there and have invested, whatever it might be is just not working in the moments of which you need it. You need to change something about that. And AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham are just not it at that point in time. And you need to bring in other things that you can hopefully get that kind of production out of elsewhere, because it's going to need to happen at some point in time. Unfortunately for the bills, it happened in the most crucial point of the season. And at that time, And they just didn't have the Leonard Floyd, the Puna Ford, all of these situations. Daquan Jones is out, of course, where Puna Ford would have been even bigger of an impact. And then even an Ed Oliver just couldn't step up to the plate. It's like you need that investment to happen. And then if you watch it do that, that's a very, very key moment of how you handle things and how you handle your investment. Investment's a great word to use for it. How do you handle it at that point in time? Are you going to let that stock absolutely sink you to bankruptcy? Or are you going to do something about it and try to get back to level ground, if not make it better by doing something else? And that's the way you got to do it. And I was glad that McDermott Bean, and everyone was like, what else can we do to kind of solidify that role? Because it just wasn't good enough. They were one injury away from just completely making the defensive line average at best. And honestly, is very below average. So it's just it was unfortunate to see then, but I was happy to see that they understood that and quickly changed it rather than just kind of being, well, if if we're healthy next year and Von doesn't get hurt again and he's perfectly fine, if 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 we'll be good to go, it's like, no, you need to do something about it, because clearly it's a point of emphasis to you prior to that. That's why you brought Von in. So what else can you do now to ensure that even if Von is in 100 percent, say he's 90 percent, he comes back. What else do you have in the reserves and things to do to make that impact elsewhere?
0: Yeah. You have given yourself much better insurance than last year. If Micah Hyde is not ready to go, or if Stokes concerns about Micah Hyde being ready to go, you know, concerns on the downside are realized Taylor Rapp coming in is a much better situation. All due respect to DeMar Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson, Taylor Rapp, I think is a better football player than those guys. Stokes. I know DeMar Hamlin was your guy before the injury. He's all of our guys now, but like, As a football player, just judging that, I I think he was uneasy. And Taylor Rapp, I think, is one of the better backup safeties in this league who will have a role on this defense outside of an injury to Hyde or Poyer. And then Leonard Floyd, this guy gives you such a runway to slow play Vaughn ramping up. You can have Floyd and Rousseau as your two primary edge rushers while Vaughn eases his way back into the lineup. And then you just have that much stronger of a rotation going at it. Comment in chat I got to get to here. Grandpa Frazier is out. no disrespect. I love the no disrespect at the end because it kind of gives you the ability to say whatever you want as long as you qualify it with no disrespect. It is such a sound strategy. like you literally just called him a grandpa and then you say no disrespect. It's smooth. I respect it, Johnny. I kind of want to use it more in in my life and see if I can get away with it. but um Stokes, along those lines, and we don't have to get into like a whole defensive scheme conversation here, but just, I guess, surface level, confidence level, where are you at with McDermott taking over as the primary play caller for Fraser? Is your confidence up? Is it down? Is it pretty much the same because they're both qualified defensive coordinators just in general, where are you at with that move?
2: Um, I, I would say I'm, I'm at the same level. I, I feel like when, so maybe, maybe to some extent, like when you're like in-game strategy, m- maybe as, as the game was going on, McDermott wanted to make changes and he, he maybe didn't feel like he was confident enough to say, hey, Leslie, let's do something different. Like, let, let's do something different. Let's, let's try something else. And now now since he's making those decisions, um, if he's if he's going to be able to make the adjustments that are necessary to to be in these big games and, and make the stops when we need them. Um, but as far as... Like an in, in overall scheme. I mean, it, it's, it isn't as if Frazier was doing something completely different than what McDermott wants. It's like he's, he's not, he wasn't going rogue. Um, so it, like, it was all part of the same base that McDermott wants to run. Um, so it's, I, I think it's, it's always going to come down to the, the level of adjustments that a coach is making. And oftentimes we, like, it seems like the only, a coach that we see is as quantifiable as like Belichick. Like we can we can pin but hey Belichick did this to neutralize this person. And we don't see that a whole lot with a lot of coaches. And we don't we don't need McDermott to be Belichick. We just need him to not do stupid things that the layman can see. Hey, it's fourth and two. Why do you have your corners playing eight yards off the wide receiver?
0: You're never going to forget that play. And ne- neither am I. I'm with you. But this like the second time you brought it up on the show. I respect it. But as your friend, I- I'm a little worried for you, Stokes. I feel like maybe when you close your eyes at night, you just you see that image that was going around on Twitter. Yes. Like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> <sighs> All right. We've talked a lot about the defense. Let's spin it around and talk about the offense. And this is another side of the ball where there weren't a lot of big ticket names brought in, but there was a lot of roster shuffling that has gone on. Devin Singletary is gone. He is now Houston Texan. They brought in Damian Harris. They brought in Latavius Murray, and you still have Naheem Hines, who now has a full offseason training camp to become hopefully somewhat of a part of this offense and year two of James Cook. We should mention Ken Dorsey is still the offensive coordinator. You would expect him to take a step going into year two. The offensive line to me. Is where this entire conversation it needs to be focused, and where my eyes are going to be laser focused in training camp because Roger Saffold was not good last year. If you watched our end of season wrap up show, Luca was thrilled to give him the season long Game Check Award winner. And his final comment was, I can't wait to never see you play for the Bills again. Tell us how you really feel, Luca. But the Bills have gone out and they signed Connor. Connor McGovern, I'm going to say McDermott so many times. Connor McGovern from the Dallas Cowboys. they They drafted Torrance in the draft second round out of Florida. They brought in David Edwards from the Rams. So when you also factor in, they still have Ryan Bates. You figure there's a very good chance that McGovern and Torrance are your starting guards. And now Ryan Bates is that backup swing center guard. That is just a huge upgrade over what they had last year with Greg Van Roten you look at the tight end situation, you would have to think that Dalton Kincaid is an upgrade over Quentin Morris. And he's also going to be maybe your primary slot receiver. They brought in Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, and they, they replaced the guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder and what was left of Cole Beasley and John Brown. They drafted Justin shorter. I don't know if there's any tangible proof that the guys they brought in at wide receiver are going to be better than the guys that went out. Time will tell overall Luca what is your thought about this offense in general? And are you as laser focused on the offensive line specifically as I'm going to be
1: Uh, to the latter part right there? Yes. I'm going to be very fixated on the offensive line. There's going to be a lot of intrigue, especially early on in the season of, is this something that will work better than what we had? Um, I would hope so because what we had last season, just, completely regressed into just uselessness at times with certain individuals. The one that I highlighted and you highlighted here today, I won't even say his name. I forgot that he existed and I no longer want to speak of that name. Um, But yeah, I like the offensive line, of course, but then to kind of pull back and just look at the offense as a whole, when I look at like, for instance, you know, I saw over here, Johnny right here said best running back since Fred X Spiller and Lynch. I, I wouldn't go that stretch, but I would say like, The Damian Harris signing to me is definitely low-key, very, very intriguing. And him with Cook is, of course, looking like a really nice complementary 1A, 1B situation as long as Harris can stay healthy. I think there's still a lot of game in him, and it's not like you have a lot of investment in it anyways, of course. But that doesn't matter once football is being played. It doesn't matter what they're making. It's just what can you do for the team? And then when it comes to the wide receiver room, we were fairly optimistic, I feel like, with the wide receiver room. there's a lot of projection with that optimism going into last season. This year, I feel like the projection is coming really short, but at the same time, like, it it, it kind of weirdly enough comes with Trent Sherfield for me. But, like, I remember Trent Sherfield as a Cardinal going way back when. You saw him in flashes with Miami and stuff, and he's a very serviceable guy. And when you're looking at him as a serviceable player, but he's in that fourth, five, fifth spot, like that to me feels like maybe I'm not looking at this wide receiver room as highly as I should, because maybe there's a lot of potential there that I'm just not seeing. Like I forget that Jameson Crowder was even a guy on this team to be quite honest. Unfortunately, the injury that he had, he just couldn't come back or do anything. But at the same time, it's there it was a disappointment and then you just had nothing to fill that Isaiah McKenzie was a disappointment, you know, I just go down the list and it's just it is what it is. So now they just completely scrapped all that brought in a whole bunch of bodies here. And, and I feel optimistic about that in a way. And then, oh, by the way, our first round pick, we used on an undersized tight end or AKA a very large wide receiver and receiving target. And it seems like there's a philosophy change going on where it's like there is going to be an emphasis on trusting the ball in Allen's hand more and more and getting it to more weapons and having more dynamic threats out there of all different shapes and sizes. And whatever works on the day is going to work for them. And I love that. Personally, I love having just a lot of different ways to attack something and then having the individuals to do that. Like you don't just have kind of one excellent way you go about it. You have two, three really, really good ways of going about it. It might not be killer and over the top of one way, but at the same time, if you only have one way to go at it and you go up against a Belichick like individual, a lot of times they can, you know, take that away from you. And now you really got to figure it out without having what you need to do it. Whereas this, it's going to be harder for teams to do such a thing because you can just turn around and do something else completely and be very okay with it. So it's, it's interesting how we don't look at it as much as possible, but this offense is very, very intriguing going into the season.
0: Focal points going to be on Dorsey because last year I would say it was somewhat disappointing how he didn't use Naheem Hines and we all just kind of blew it off. Like, oh, well, maybe he just didn't get the playbook. And we even talked last offseason about what are they going to do with OJ Howard and Dawson Knox. Unfortunately, OJ Howard had nothing left in the tank. All due respect to Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield.
2: No disrespect.
0: <laughs> no disrespect intended. Um, Justin Shorter. Like, I think there's a chance that those guys are upgrades over Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder, and especially in Sherfield's case, I'm right there with Luca. Maybe Hardy. Hardy's got to prove to me he can stay healthy. A five-six guy. I, I'm not gonna just because he's a Bill. I'm not gonna go away from what I thought about Tank Dell in the draft. Like I want Hardy to hit, but I'm also I have concerns there, real concerns. Stokes, the way I view this off season as far as weapons in the passing game, those guys are great. But it comes down to that name Luca mentioned, Dalton Kincaid. They traded up for him in the draft. They have to have a plan for him early and often to matter year one. This can't be a situation where we're looking back on this in January and Dalton Kincaid just goes on the list of rookie tight ends who struggled to hit the ground running in the NFL. They need to have a plan, whether it's simplifying the slot role, and he has to matter because he was their big swing to upgrade the weapons, and I think if the weapons are going to be better, absent a leap from Gabe Davis from last year, I think it's going to come specifically from Dalton Kincaid.
2: Yeah, if we get to halfway down the season and Knox is not injured, if if Dalton K- Kincaid sitting there at a 30% snap share and he's not making an impact. I will be very frustrated because, like, maybe the first couple games, okay, he's still trying to get it going, but there has to be an an actual exact plan on ways we're going to do things to make him be uh, an impactful player. Because of I mean, we've, I imagine us as Bills fans, we watched his highlights and we watched probably full game tapes of Dalton Kincaid since he's been drafted because we just want to see how he's going to impact this team. And if he is anything close to, you know, what the comps are for him, whether it's like a, a Kelsey light or something like that, if he's anything like that, then this is exactly what what can be a a, a way to unlock the rest of this offense. Like we know that Diggs is going to be Diggs; he's going to get open, he's going to be wonderful, he's going to be all that, and we just need another guy. I mean, as we've mentioned before, as when Cole Beasley was at his apex, like this, when the offense was really rocking and you you couldn't defend him at any any other any old way because you got the guy that's going to get you five or 15 yards if you need it and I feel like Kincaid can do that because he's going to be too big for the corners he may be too too fast for the safeties or linebackers like these are the things that we need to make sure like he is going to be impactful and I and I think he he seemed like a more adept Pass catcher than Knox. I mean, I, I love watching Knox play, but it seems like Kincaid is just much more smooth when it comes to getting open and making these catches. Like uh, Knox, he, he he makes fantastic looking catches, but it just it's it seems like he is out of control at all times, even when he's getting open. Um, but Kincaid, I, he just looks so smooth and and just like oh wow, he he got open in the zone. Wow, he beat he beat the press. He beat he beat man like two steps in like this this is the type of player that is going to be very very important and if he is still if we're still halfway through the season and he's and we're not we're going going into post game talks so oh yeah get had one target and it, it was a it was a bad throw or a drop pass. Like, this is not what we want.
0: I am absolutely with you. He cannot be a sub package player. Maybe you know first couple games of the year get him used to NFL game speed Whatever, but I am with you. If it gets to be Halloween and we still haven't seen Dalton Kincaid get over 50% of the snaps in a handful of games, it's going to be alarm bells going off. And I don't need those snaps to come at the expense of Dawson Knox. I think there's a very high likelihood that Dawson Knox is still one of the top five best players on this offense. The idea in my mind is having them both out there together because you mentioned it, Stokes. When this offense was humming, it wasn't sexy when they would throw eight to 10 yard passes to Cole Beasley but it was so efficient and it would be like chaos happened. They take a bad sack, a bad penalty. How can we settle it down? Oh, it's third and Cole. Cole Beasley will move the chains. We'll settle it down. The one thing about Cole Beasley is excellent as he was, is you knew he was going to be a wide receiver. So you could match up with him with a cornerback. If Dalton Kincaid is what we think he can be as that slot receiver, you still, as a defensive coach, have to think to yourself, do I want to put a linebacker or a big safety on him? to match up with the size because then if I have a smaller DB on him, he's going to be a mismatch in the blocking game and the running game. And that is where you start to get really excited about maybe some of those Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, things we saw with the Patriots, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, we saw in Philadelphia. That's where I want this offense to go. And Dalton Kincaid absolutely has to matter. Speaking of things mattering, Luca, we've talked a lot about whether the bills are better this year. We've talked a lot about, whether the national narrative is that the bills are better. We we've heard the conversations on first take the guy that we're all a fan of Chris Sims has kind of jumped off the bills bandwagon saying that they're not the most talented roster in the AFC East. And we're sitting here on July 7th and it makes for good conversation. It's fun to kick around power rankings, all the predictions, Luca, you have one final thought on all of this that you think is important for us all to hear, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nice transition there, by the way. I really yes. like how you did that. That's why they uh, pay me the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. The big bucks. Um, yeah. Essentially the question that I wanted to kind of tail off with this is does any of this even matter? Like what what are we doing here? I mean, obviously we want to talk about these things. We want it, it spurs a lot of great conversation and stuff. But does this matter? Does the national media matter? Last season, it was so awesome. There were numerous podcasts. I haven't gone back and listened to them like Josh would probably do, but I bet you if he listened to our catalog, there were probably numerous occasions we were where we were just so excited about being kind of the media darling. Is this finally the year for the Bills? And there was just so much hype and talk around the Bills camp going into the preseason and into the regular season that it was just a surreal kind of feeling. And then inevitably we saw what all transpired, and it was one of those crazy seasons that ended the way it did. Does it even matter? Because the funniest part is at this point last season, another discussion that was being had in that national media was around the inevitable Super Bowl champs in Kansas City. And they were talking about, are they even going to be kind of that top tier team anymore because they just went and traded Tyreek to Miami? Are they going to be able to overcome that? They haven't brought any wide receivers in to replace him. All these different conversations were happening. Lo and behold, you know, Travis Kelsey was still there. Mahomes and Kelsey still have a good rapport. And Andy Reid standing on that sideline seems like it's a good enough formula to get them over the hump. And oh, yeah, they won a Super Bowl in a shootout without that Tyreek Hill. All of this does not matter. Like, I just want to make sure that point, it's like, we love to have this discussion. It's fun to have. It's nice to kind of be a heel against the national media after having such a wonderful time last season, enjoying all the accolades that were coming our way. But inevitably, none of it matters. Who cares about the national media and all that stuff? And it's just like, look at how they looked at Kansas city and their season transition. Look at how they looked at us and our season kind of worked itself out. It's inevitably don't get caught in it and stuff like that. This all of this is just minimal. And once games are being played, none of these discussions will happen. The only thing that's going to happen is, you know, Max Kellerman's with his Iguodala takes are going to be just spamming him on Twitter because it's such an awful take and things like that. So it's just just remember that that's that's the last thing we needed to have a discussion about.
0: DF forever with the super chat. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Kincaid looks like Kittle. What do you think about that comp to, to to George Kittle Stokes? To me, Kittle is a little bit more of an impact in the run blocking game. But man, if we get a George Kittle out of this pick, I think we'd all take it.
2: Um, absolutely. If if we if Kincaid could block like Kittle, that would be wonderful. But I mean, I I can get that comp because when you when you look at Kittle, um, like he when he's running with the football, he's looking to make contact. He's looking to deliver a blow and and i've seen more than enough um situations where kincaid he's not shying away from contact he's he's going after dbs and and when he gets out in the open field he, he's just trying to make someone feel the fact that he has the ball and that guy has to stop him so i can i can see that um see that comp but i mean if if it's all going to come down to the comparison that the difference between Kittle and every other tight end is that Kittle loves blocking. It seems like he just loves to do it. Maybe it's the Iowa tight end in it, but he loves to block. And um, if if that's the type of thing, if that type of um, love for every facet of the game hits Kincaid, then that would be absolutely wonderful.
0: DF forever follows it up with run blocking and run chipping easier than pass blocking. Kincaid loves contact. Thank you again for the super chat. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate all of you out there listening and watching. We can't thank you enough for spending your choosing to spend your Friday night with us. Let's get back to what Luca was talking about because Stokes all offseason. We can talk about Miami got Jalen Ramsey. Miami almost beat the Bills in a playoff game. If you don't want to look under the hood and really see what went wrong in that game to make it look a lot closer than it really was. The Jets got Aaron Rodgers. The Jets held the Bills. They were one of three or two of three games last year where the Bills scored 23 points or less in the regular season. Two of those were the Jets. And now they add Aaron Rodgers to the mix. Look out for the Jets. They're a Super Bowl bound team. We can talk about that for months up until September. And then that first game is played Stokes. And if the Bills go to New Jersey and beat the Jets... Everything we talked about and heard about for the last four months is going to be out the window, and it's overreaction city on that Tuesday morning.
2: Yeah, it's going to be yeah both ways. Like whether whether we dominate or whether we lose, it's going to be like, well, who knows what's what's going to happen here? Um, But I mean, I'm I'm I couldn't be more thrilled for it. I I I love that we're going to have another Monday night opportunity to watch the Bills play. And, and see what's left of Aaron Rodgers and see how um, Dorsey's going to attack this Jets defense that stifled him twice. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a blast to watch. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't pick against the Bills here at all.
0: One last comment from DF Forever. <laughs> Smash that like button like a woodpecker in heat. Sure. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, analogy works. I think the analogy works. I, I, don't, I haven't done a lot of work on woodpeckers, but uh, I assume it works and I appreciate that.
2: I think it's more like a simile. Like, it's- <laughs> there you
0: go. Uh, all right. So guys, we have talked about the national narrative of the bills. We've talked about our opinion of the bills and we've talked about one thing at the top that I want to revisit. We are going to be giving away, Four copies of Madden 24. Please follow us at Bill's Chat Pod on Twitter. Further details will be announced in the upcoming weeks. And Luca, it's been a long off season, but time to get the word out. We are back. We're here to stay and we'll be back in this rotation going forward.
1: Oh, it's great. It's great to be back. I mean, the break was great, you know, when it comes to just letting us reset our you know, batteries a little bit there, I know you and I had discussed it, you know, off air and stuff. We needed a little bit of a breather here and there. We had things going on in our lives, of course, as well, that kind of complicated things on top of it, but it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the rotation, everything like that. We're going to be back to both of our podcasts and live shows. You know, I've been doing my Sabres chat thing, you know, the past couple of weeks now we're getting into that because and we're talking about the NFL season being around the corner and the break feels like forever. The break just started for the NHL. And next thing you know, in two months, three months it's back and it's like, it never ends. So all of our normal shows are happening. Josh, it feels great to be back here. It's awesome to be having our welcome back show with Stokes. Of course it's the three of us up here just doing our thing, talking to the thing we love the most and that being the Buffalo bills, but it's good to be back. It's good. It's good to feel normal again a little bit, you know?
0: It's been a busy couple of weeks for all of us. Luca went out and got married. Stokes is planning for a wedding for himself, and I won the gold medal on the flower cup on Mario Kart. So we all have accomplished things, different variations of those accomplishments, but it yes. felt good. I unlocked a secret a, a secret track on, uh, on Nintendo Switch. I'm pretty proud about that. We'll try to knock that one out later. Stokes, we always appreciate you coming on when we, when we have these roundtable scenarios. And rumor has it, Stokes, your face is going to be a little bit more present this season on uh, Buffalo, built-in Buffalo. I, we don't have to get into details, but people are going to be seeing a little bit more Stokes than they're used to.
2: Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder what's in store. Uh, I, I I love being on with you guys. I love uh, talking Buffalo Bills. Like This is this is a, a pleasure for me. So, I mean, I, I just love our conversations. I, the um, engagement we have with the, with the chat and everybody. So it's, it's always, it's always great to be in here with you guys. Um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it as always.
0: Can I let everybody in on a little secret? What you see with Luca and Stokes and I here is basically us just turning the cameras on to the conversations we have in our discord chat, like daily. I mean, granted, I don't sit there and do ad reads in the discord chat because they would make fun of me. And I don't talk about liking and subscribing. I do in Discord, like, "Hey guys, go like and subscribe our YouTube." But um, no, I mean, this is basically who we are. We we could honestly, like, we do a lot of show prep. We take this very serious. But with these two guys specifically, I feel like we could just fire up the cameras and do a two hour show if we needed to. I love being on on the air with both of these guys. These are my friends outside of this Bill's content creation. So it is such a joy to be able to do a show with these guys and do a show for all of you. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. He is Stokes. He is Luke. He is Luke. I'll get the hang of it. It's the first episode, folks. I'm knocking off that preseason rest. He is Luca. I am Josh McCarty, and we will see you next week on Bill's Chat Live.